It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Obviously, our focus today is going to be on the game tonight, and so I want to make this brief because I want to make sure everyone has time to listen to it, and we can get these these last quick hits in here before the game tonight. Uh, I think also if you if you're listening to this now, knowing the outcome of the game, I think there is still potentially some value here just because, you know, the, the top of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about an article that Pete Doherty wrote for the Green Bay Press Gazette about some of the differences in the offense and some comments that Rodgers made things that that I think will will put the performance in the first quarter from the starters into some perspective. So even if you've already seen the game, even if you're coming to this a day late, I think that's okay. I think you're still going to be able to take some things away from this, and maybe it frames the game in a way you hadn't considered. And if you're listening to this before the game, uh, great. Uh, That's ideal. (laughs) That's what we want. Uh, The other thing we're going to talk about is an interesting idea that a friend of the podcast, Jason Hirschhorn, brought up on Twitter that I want to I want to dive into a little bit further, but first, uh, there was this uh, this article that that Pete Doherty wrote, and it detailed some of the key differences between the Mike McCarthy offense and the Matt LaFleur offense, and Aaron Rodgers is talking about a lot of them and the differences, and you know, there are some little nuggets that I find interesting. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable under center, and this idea that the no huddle is now, okay, a a lot more of, you're actually going to huddle but then you're going to go up and quick snap versus, you know, everything just just run out of uh, lineup and let Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does. Maybe those changes are good. Maybe they're bad. I want to see them all first. But here is here's the big thing. Here is the big money quote. I just think it's more we're trying to scheme one or two guys open every play. There's less maybe picking a side and hoping a guy wins and more a concept that we really think is going to win a concept I'm, this is my emphasis now, a concept that we really think is going to win and something coming back to it if that doesn't win. That seems like a novel approach. But what he's contrasting there 
is a very direct allusion to what the offense was under Mike McCarthy. Isolation routes in a lot of cases. Pick a side, pick a matchup, and hope that guy wins his matchup. And so it's not hard to understand why this offense was so great in 2011 with all of those receivers. Or 2014. Or even 2016 when Devontae Adams starts to break out. You get Jordy Nelson healthy back. It makes sense. This offense is very different. And it's more about winning with concepts. And, you know, I think players win, but I think plays win too. And you need both. And you need to find that balance. This offense is predicated on finding that balance and and saying, okay, here's a play. And now how can we put the players in that play to make that play most successful? Not every play is designed to get you know, your X or your Y or your Z every time. Uh, they are meant to, okay, here's what it looks like the first time. Then then we're going to run it again, and it's going to look like this. And if we get this coverage, then maybe we think we can get this off of it. It all builds. Those kinds of differences are so important. And this is really the first time we're going to get a chance tonight to see those differences. The work that they've put in in the offseason to make those changes this is our first opportunity to really see it. And we, we shouldn't, you know, react strongly to anything that we see tonight. Um, the number one goal is to come out of it healthy. That's always the number one goal to come out of a preseason game healthy. But uh, against a really good defense, you want to make sure that that is number one on your priority list. But number two, I think, is get this offense going a little bit. This is going to be the first time we actually see this offense in earnest out there playing and that's going to give us a better indication as well of the kinds of personnel that are going to thrive in it because a lot of this to this point has just been conjecture and projection and saying this is what we think it's going to look like it is going to change and so the fact that it is a work in progress and that it's going to be a work in progress means that we can't make these assumptions in a vacuum we have to know that Okay, this person is having a good training camp. Oh, this person is doing this well. This person is doing this other thing well. And Matt LaFleur understands that. So they may adapt certain concepts. They may change personnel on certain concepts. They may change uh, uh, formations for certain concepts. Just because once you see it live with the personnel against live competition, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change your, your perception of that play or that concept or that formation. This is all going to be a constant work in progress in a way that maybe Mike McCarthy's offense wasn't. And so when when Rodgers talks about this, he is he is excited. I mean there there was an anecdote recently Aaron Rodgers talked about how when the Rams in that Thursday night game just absolutely lit up the Vikings defense. And he mentioned that the Packers locker room went nuts for that they were buzzing and they were saying you know hey that's really cool wouldn't that be fun you know you always wonder are NFL players looking at the Chiefs and saying god I wish we could do that and Rogers said that outright about the the 49ers when you know you had a backup quarterback coming in there and lighting up their defense you're going man those concepts are really good I mean they know that this offense works and they, they know that this, this is implemented right now 
on, you know, maybe the best team in the NFC, certainly the best team in the NFC last year. And that that the bones of this offense have worked for a long time. And that this is a different offense than what we're used to seeing. And does that allow Rodgers, if he's getting this cool part of it, does that allow him to have some give and take with the two-minute drill? Does it allow him to have a little bit more confidence in Matt LaFleur if it, it, calling one play that doesn't work, the next time calling the action off that play, or calling it again with a different look knowing that the reason it's being called is because they think the defense is going to play it differently. So, you know, and, and, and this is going to be a, a compromise with LaFleur too because, you know, there was a, there was a play, uh, I believe it was on family night, where a play was called and the defense had the perfect look for it, the perfect call for it, and Rodgers, even though they hadn't installed an audible, made a check, everyone understood, and it turned into a nice run. Those are the things that Matt LaFleur has to trust Rodgers to do. And likewise, Aaron Rodgers has to trust that when Matt LaFleur calls a play, it has a purpose. Now, clearly, it is within the purview of a quarterback to flip a play. To just say, instead of running this to the left, we're going to run it to the right. And that was basically all they did. All he did was flip the play. And, and the presumption is, although it's not stated outright, that uh, he basically just used last year's verbiage and, and signal. But that was something that hadn't been installed yet, and Rodgers just did it. Everyone intuitively knew what to do and did it, and and it turned into a good play. Matt LaFleur has to be willing to accept that from his quarterback as well because his quarterback wants to be in a perfect play. So that relationship, it seems like Rodgers really understands. I don't, I don't like having to defend that. I'm not defending it in this case. It's not a, it's not a defense of, oh, you know, they're, this is really they're all getting along. I'm trying to point out some differences here and what it might mean for this team moving forward. Uh, that's what's important, not the are they getting along. Number one, who cares? And number two, no one has really any that much information there. Um, the most plugged-in reporters out there, you know, have basically said it's going to work. You know, Mike Silver and Aaron Rodgers have a good relationship. They think it's going to work. The people are, that, that have been around Aaron Rodgers – that like Aaron Rodgers uh, think it's going to work, so and and think they're having a good relationship. So, look, we can't we can't be any more informed than we are right now. So we just can't worry about that kind of stuff. What we have to look at is the football side of it and say, if if Rodgers is buying into this piece of it that we know is going to be different, then we have to talk about that that piece that's different. The, the idea of scheming receivers opens, of, of relying on concepts to win rather than just individual talent. And then when you have individual talent, how much easier it is to play offense. When you're Aaron Rodgers and you can hand the ball to Aaron Jones knowing that that play call is going to work for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then you have a play-action play off that run where not only is the play designed to get Devontae Adams open... But then you have Devontae Adams getting open. So it, it is a compounding effect on the talent that you already have on your roster because you're putting them in a position to succeed and you're putting good players in a position to succeed. So that effort compounds into something that, that can be really impressive for the Packers once they hit their stride. They just haven't hit their stride yet 
it's going to be tough against a really good Ravens defense. Now, they haven't seen this offense. They haven't game planned for it. Uh, this is the same defense that took Matt LaFleur's Marcus Mariota, that offense, apart last year. Zadarius Smith was a nightmare. Zadarius Smith plays for Green Bay now. And that was a regular season game that they got to scout for and game plan for and all that good stuff. But the Packers, this is their first opportunity to show this offense and to find some cohesion. It's also our first opportunity, our first real opportunity anyway, to see it. And it's an opportunity that we have to take full advantage of because we don't know how much more we're going to see these guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have to play more than in years past. But at a certain point, you put him in bubble wrap. And you let Deshaun Kaiser do it, and you let Tim Boyle do it, and you let the other people do it. You have you want to find a continuity here, but I can't imagine he's going to play more than a quarter or a quarter and a half all preseason. I doubt he's going to go the full, you know, the the third preseason game is supposed to be a half to a to three quarters. I just don't see Aaron Rodgers doing that. So they have to get they have to make these reps count. And so that means we have to make them count too when we're analyzing what's going on on the field. Before we get to the rest of our conversation here, I want to remind you that the new Locked On NFL is really fun. I was just on it earlier this week with Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. Brian joins the show along with Matt and provides you a a 30,000-foot view of what's going on in the NFL. It's your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, so this was an idea that that uh, Jason Hershorn brought up on Twitter, and it's an interesting one. And and I first I sort of dismissed it because it seemed honestly it seemed risky. Uh, and and his idea was something that the Packers have actually already done in practice, and that was on a day that Brian Bulaga was getting rest, they slid Billy Turner from right guard to right tackle, and they put Elton Jenkins in at right guard. Elton Jenkins is someone who is fighting for time. On the field, they are still trying to determine the Packers are if he is one of their five best offensive linemen, and it very well might be the case that he is. Uh, He is pushing Lane Taylor for that starting guard spot. The Packers are paying Lane Taylor to be the starting guard, but they're also paying Elton Jenkins to just be a rookie, so you don't really mind the investment in terms of the allocation of resources there because you're paying two guards you know, what you'd, you'd want to have two good guards. I mean, and you're, you're probably playing much less than what it would cost to have otherwise two good guards. 
But the idea of, of basically saying, let's try this out is intriguing because this could be the long-term plan for the Packers. It could be the case that Green Bay has said after this season, Brian Bulaga is going to move on and we're not going to resign him. And so Billy Turner is going to slide to right tackle. Alan Jenkins is going to slide in at right guard. Now, that leaves a question about what they're going to do with Lane Taylor, who is under contract in 2020. I see it often uh, cited that he is not. Um, I have, in, in fact, mistakenly just presumed that he is going to be cut after this year to make room for Elton Jenkins. And so it just sort of stuck in my brain sometimes that he's not actually under contract, but he is. And so Green Bay could say, here's what, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to keep Lane Taylor at left guard, put Elton Jenkins at right guard, and Billy Turner's going to move over. Why not then take it in the preseason and say, let's give this a shot? Uh, you're going up against a very good Baltimore defense. That is true. But it's also preseason, and you don't expect you know heavy exotic blitzes. You don't expect crazy you know miscommunication up front with your starters. You you expect that from backups and third stringers and future insurance salesmen. You don't expect that from you know guys who have been there now. Elton Jenkins, rookie. Billy Turner, first year in this offense, first year in this system, first year on this team. And and is the communication going to be up to snuff? My counter was, well, maybe do that with Deshaun Kaiser. And not Aaron Rodgers, because you don't want to put Aaron Rodgers in a position where he could, you know, play in front of a line that is suboptimal. There is also a, a, a benefit to saying, OK, well, we need to see as the Green Bay Packers, we need to see what this looks like, because if this is the future, then those guys, you know, no time like the present to get a head start on knowing what it's like to play with Aaron Rodgers and for Aaron to understand what it's like to try and throw over, you know, Billy Turner's a big dude now. He's bigger than Brian Bulaga. And so that changes the angles of throwing lanes. And he is not as adept or as experienced at understanding, you know, how Aaron likes to break the pocket. And this offense is theoretically going to keep him in the pocket a little bit more and not rely on him breaking the pocket and trying to do off-schedule stuff. But those are things that you need to rep. Do they want to get some of those reps in now? preparing for not only next year, but the inevitable stretch of games where Brian Bulaga misses two, three, four, five, six games. And if this is the plan, why not give them some reps at it early with the first string offense? In a preseason game where the stakes are low, where you're going up against starters, where they're not, you know, they're not going up there to try and kill Aaron Rodgers, not the same way they would in a regular season game anyway. And Rodgers is a veteran. He knows well enough that sometimes you just got to get down. And you're not going to take shots, and you're going to get rid of the ball, and all that stuff. You got to trust him to to do what he has to do to protect himself. The more I've thought about it, the more I think it's an interesting idea, and the more I think it's something that they not only could but should do, uh, even if it's just for a series. Give him a series, and then if you want to put in Kaiser, you know, feel free and and keep that combination. I'd like to see that combination, even if it's not all with Aaron Rodgers. I'd like to see that combination get some run. And just figure out, what does that look like? What does it look like? And it also gives you another opportunity to evaluate Elton Jenkins. Because if he is pushing Lane Taylor at that left guard spot, and, and we think he is, uh, then you want to see him against starters. You want to see him against a legitimately good defense. You want to see him against 
guys that he would have to face if he were the starting left guard in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. Getting him that opportunity now, getting him that that stage to showcase his talent, he was excellent last week. Excellent. And look, I know a lot of fans are are annoyed about this person or that person that the Packers didn't draft. Elton Jenkins is really good. And I've said that from the moment they drafted him, that he was an exciting player. And he's really good. And he can be really, really good in the NFL. So give him an opportunity to show that. Give him an opportunity to say, look, I deserve to be considered one of the five best starting offensive linemen for the Green Bay Packers. And that doesn't mean they would cut Lane Taylor. I think almost assuredly would mean they wouldn't because, number one, they're paying him and you know they're not paying him so much that he has to start. But number two, you can't just give up depth. He is someone who can play tackle if he needs to. He is a quality starting guard. I still, I still like Lane Taylor a lot. I would argue, and Brandon Thorne argued on this podcast a couple months ago, that, that Taylor, although he, he had some struggles last year, was really good the year before and is a very good player. In fact, Brandon suggested that Elton Jenkins should be starting over Turner at right guard. Now, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I think Lane Taylor is still a very good player. The pass rush productivity still says he's a very good pass protector at the very least. Um, unfortunately, last year, some of his key... Uh, losses, pass protection, the pass protection percentage that ESPN does is a win percentage. Well, if, you know, let's say you lose 10 times over the course of a couple weeks and, you know, like six of those times result in sacks, it's going to look a lot worse, right? But if those are the only 10 losses you have all season and you, oh, they gave up six sacks. Okay, well, but his his win percentage was one of the best in football. So we, we you have to take some of that stuff into consideration, but you also have to take into account scheme at his size with his you know, less than elite athletic ability, maybe he's not an ideal fit for the outside zone kind of schemes that, that Matt LaFleur wants to run. We have to see that. Uh, there, there have not been any indications that Lane Taylor is fighting for his job because he's playing poorly. Lane Taylor is fighting for his job because Elton Jenkins has been awesome in camp and is a second-round pick and is the future of the interior of this offensive line. And so Green Bay is going to give him that chance sooner rather than later. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by shell 
College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. All right, we're going to come back tomorrow to break down everything you saw in the game Thursday night and talk about why it matters and what it means moving forward and and who struggled and who excelled and who was just kind of meh and who was meh good and who was meh bad. There's a lot of shades of meh, so we'll get to all of that tomorrow. In the meantime, do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Rate us five stars, please. That would be great. It, it helps us reach new and unique audiences. Uh, we the, the listenership for this podcast this month uh, is already up month over month. Uh, we are on pace for by far our biggest month ever, and that is a month after our, our biggest month of the year, uh, and I think one of our biggest months ever. We just had our biggest week ever. This week is going to surpass it, which just means you guys are ramping up to be absolutely dialed in over the course of this season. You know, maybe there's another phrase that I could think of other than dialed in that would really describe what you guys are. I don't know. It'll come to me. Uh, anyway, if, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I, I highly suggest that you do that. Uh, the, the piece that I wrote yesterday about Curtis Bolton, actually two days ago now, uh, is uh, is doing great. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooner fans found it and have shared it, and they support their guy. It is incredible to see how much love the Sooner Nation has for Curtis Bolton. So go check that out if you haven't. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. I remembered the phrase that I was thinking of, like dialed in. But it's not quite it's not quite dialed in. It's very specific. The thing you have to do, the thing you guys are ramping up to be, is locked on Packers. <laughs>